What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Glenn Naughton. We will be joined, however, in the back half of the show by Scott Mason, our friend at Play Like a Jet. He will be joining us to talk about a couple things. The the hot topic in the news this week has been Quinn and Williams and his contract or lack thereof, and what seems to be uh, an impasse between him and the front office of the New York Jets in terms of what his long-term contract is going to be. So we're going to get into all the details with Scott when he joins later on. But in the meantime, we still have tons to talk about. What's up, Glenn? How are we doing tonight? Doing good. You know, um, getting the the season is is inching ever so closer. And it's it's been nice going over these UDFAs and and the draft picks and kind of watching the roster, you know, sort of take shape. And and I think I think we're due for a an episode where we I don't know about I don't know if predicting the 53 is I hate when people do that too early. Um, I understand part of predicting is doing stuff beforehand. But when you do stuff before a guy has had like a preseason rep, it really is just it's all guessing anyway. But that's sort of another level. But we were you know, we talked the other day, you and I, we have some deep dive stuff coming up on the roster to kind of cover every single guy currently under contract. So I'm looking forward to that and uh, and what we got going on tonight. Yeah, I think the roster with the signing today of Carter Warren is at 88 out of 90. And I think the last two that need to be signed are uh, rookies. So it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when the Jets do get to a full 90-man roster. And uh, at that point, we will go over it. We will talk about the offense, the defense. We'll kind of bucket each player, so to speak. Um, if you're a fan of the the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast, they're doing a similar thing. We're just going to do a, a jet centric, watered down version of it, where we each, you know, you know, go over each player on the roster and really dive deep, give a floor, a ceiling, potential outcomes for the season for each player, and if they even end up on the team or remain on the team throughout the entirety of the 2023 season. Because the first topic I do want to get into is um, is is a topic that I think I've seen on Twitter too much. Um, people calling for players to be traded at positions where we seem to be strong edge rusher, wide receiver. Let's move on from this guy or player X because we're strong at this position. And I'm sitting here like, I don't know, why are we getting rid of depth players when we're finally a well-rounded roster who's ready to compete now? You need all the depth you can get. So I'm not going to like mention any names specifically, but have you seen that on Twitter as well? And what's your take on collecting as much depth as possible throughout the roster? I think, uh, you know, I think we always see that there's always some trade proposals that fans have that some of them are are not bad and others are just sort of nonsensical. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, anyone saying let's trade Quinn and Williams, um, you know, that that's that's bizarre to me. But when you talk about other guys, when you talk about the you know, I mean, the, that's one thing Joe Douglas has done. He's he's made edge a position of strength for the Jets and. You know, this team isn't this we like what they've done, but this team still isn't perfect. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind a great deal if they moved one of the edge guys, if they felt they were going to plug that with a need somewhere else. Because, again, there there are some spots that need to be filled. And, my, you know, Michael Clemens and Jermaine Johnson and, and, and Huff and McDonald and Lawson, like you've got a lot of bodies now. So if one of those guys were to be moved, I wouldn't have an issue with it. Uh, you know, it's true what they say. You can never have enough edge guys. But. That doesn't mean that you can't move one. Like one thing that confuses me, um, it, like a lot. Like I would be surprised if anybody. Well, if I were a team looking for an edge rusher right now, rather than give up an asset to the Jets, 
Um, Yannick Ngakwe is still out there. Yeah. And he's had 19 and a half sacks, you know, combined over the past two seasons. Like, he's a guy who will get you eight to 10 sacks who you can pick up for free in terms of not giving up draft capital. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't. I even look at the Jets, you know, the Jets depth chart, and I'm like, hmm, there's really not room for him, but would I be mad if they got him? Like, hell no. Like, that's, again, if you truly believe you can never have enough edge rushers, there's a guy who's proven he can get to the quarterback, even if he, you know, even if it was on a situational basis, that he, he can help. He can help a lot of teams. So would I? Yeah, but um, I think that it's uh, – I think it's surprising Ngakwe is still out there. And, and I think Floyd is still out there too, isn't he? Leonard Floyd? Yes, Leonard Floyd. And then I think the annual Jadavion Clowney um, free agency later That's, student. I'm not I, I, I've, I've said for years, there's, there's something with him that we don't know. Like you yeah. can't be that talented and no one ever wants to give you more than one year. Um, yeah. I see Melvin in the chat says pay Q ASAP. I know we talked about it. You saw the video oh, I did yeah. the other day. Yep. Um, I don't disagree with that, but we don't know what Q is asking. Um, that's actually something we're going to discuss later with Scott Mason when he comes on. But um, I'm starting to wonder if the the figure he's wanting exceeds what I would say 99% of fans have said the Jets should just pay up, which I agree. Uh, but if his if his and and there are other factors, uh, right. you know, there's there there might be one or two other players whose contracts they're working on right now that uh that are impacting that but there'll be more on that later right exactly and there's just scrolling through some of the names of the free agent defensive linemen as a whole i see defensive tackle and dominican sue i don't know if he was the one that put out that tweet saying something about the jets weren't that good a couple weeks ago but he was saying that he'll be ready for a team week one it's not a matter of i'm gonna sign at any point in the summer even in camp he's like to hell with camp i'll just be ready week one so that's also a possibility if the Jets, you know, go through the preseason process, they have Al Woods, Quentin Jefferson, Quentin Williams, and then behind that is Tanzel Smart, Solomon Thomas, guys that I think could be replaceable. So that's another name to watch out for as well as we get into the the regular season weeks. Um, anything on on Indomitian too before we get into the the I think, contract? I think it was on the Rich Eisen show when they when Rich Eisen asked him if uh, if they if he thought the Jets would be a contender after signing Aaron Rodgers, and he said no. Um, oh, okay. So it would be a little bit awkward, I think, to bring that them on. Be, but yeah, I don't. I, you know, it's it's a weird thing. Like they are, they've got to be all in to win. Um, and with me just saying that, Melvin says his playoffs good enough to me. No, um, you no. didn't give up all you gave up just to make the playoffs. I've said before, if if the goal was playoffs, you could have traded for Ryan Tannehill, you know, or Matthew Stafford, and, and kept sure. your premium draft picks and gone to the playoffs. Um, adding Aaron Rodgers, you know, it's, it's, uh, I am, I am of the belief they've got to get there. They've got, it's got to be a lot of noise in the postseason. but mm-hmm. Indomitian Sue, good player, uh, but with the culture the Jets are trying to build, are they going to add a guy? And I know it's not uncommon among, among vets, but are they going to add a guy who's like, yeah, I don't, don't, don't sign me if you want me to do all the work that everybody else is doing. Like I'll come in, I'm going to skip camp. I'll show up late. Like I'm not, I wouldn't be against it. I think, I mean, him as a depth piece on this roster would be phenomenal. Um, I'm just, I'm not a hundred percent sure they would do that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they would because again, this is about like, as we've said, you've got a one to two year window. Like you've got to go all in even more so than you have to this point, even more all in to, to make it happen. So I just happened to, Google search Sue Stomp because I know he had a tendency to stomp 
after the whistle a lot of times. And I remembered a Packers player. And all of a sudden, I see this YouTube link, and Dominican Sue intentionally Yep. Air Rogers' ankle. So I remember there's that. probably 0.0% chance that Indomitian Sioux is coming to one Jets drive. But yeah. Uh, I mean, would that be the reason, though? Guys, sometimes right. guys put that stuff behind them, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's not maybe, you know, maybe if it happened last year, but that's – God, I'm old. That's got to be nine years ago? 2014. Yeah, you're spot on nine years ago. Yeah, that's that's a while ago. So I think uh, if it meant winning a ring, I think they would let that be water under the bridge and get to work Certainly. together. Yeah. So, okay. Sticking along the defensive line still, I think uh, it's time to get into this new contract that Carl Lawson has worked with the Jets. Um, originally, he was scheduled to make 15 non-guaranteed uh, non million dollars in the final year of his deal. Now his 2023 contract is a $9 million base with $8 million of that guaranteed with another $3 million in incentives. So that brings it up to a, a total of possible 11 to $12 million. Um, it frees up $12.7 million in 2023 cap space, and it also adds on four voidable years. So I think Robert Sala's comments about um, – Carl Lawson's going to be here uh, as long as he can walk or whatever those comments were exactly. I think those are coming to fruition. That's coming true, at least for 2023. We'll see what everything looks like, but maybe he can do something in the future with the Jets. I don't know how those voidable years work. My question to you, though, is does this kind of um, set a precedent for other players to take the similar route with their high uh, cap numbers? Uh, maybe C.J. Mosley or Corey Davis. Do you think that they'll go that same route? I know we've talked about Corey uh, Davis possibly getting that uh, that Jamison Crowder squeeze that the Jets kind of pulled on him late in the offseason. Um, hopefully the Jets don't do that to him. I feel like that's kind of like bad faith contract dealing. But, you know, it happens in the NFL. It's a business at the end of the day. But C.J. Mosley or Corey Davis, do you think any of these guys re-sign or rework their deals a little bit to, to make it happen? Well, if I'm not mistaken, didn't we look at that and see that Mosley can't rework his deal for a while because they already restructured yes. him? Um, so I don't think they can touch Mosley. I think Davis is a possibility, but uh, I think, and this is actually, a, a, I don't, I can't remember if we've discussed this. I know I touched on it briefly on an article I did a, a couple of weeks ago, but um, the, like, might they do it to Davis? I don't know, because I really think, I know everyone likes the shiny new toy, but I'm not convinced that Alan Lazard is better than a, you know, fully healthy Corey Davis. Like if Corey Davis gets to that point, you look at their career yards per catch, you look at their career. And listen, I know everybody likes to get on Corey Davis with the drops and all that. He's actually got a better career drop rate than Alan Lazard. Uh, so, and, and, you know, both for both of them, they each of them had one season where their, their drops were highly uncharacteristic and they had way more than usual. Right. And that's really skewed. I think I think Lazard, and I could be wrong here. I'm going off memory from when I looked it up a couple weeks ago, but I think he had a year with like 15 drops or 13 it drops, was something like that. Yeah. Um, and then Davis had his year where he had like nine or ten. Yeah. Uh, but really, neither one is a, a an issue with drops. Uh, Corey Davis again. That sort of, as I've said before, the worst thing he could have done was drop the first target he saw last season, because he had an entire off season of people saying he drops everything. Um, and by the time the, the season ended, he had like three drops. So he didn't have a, a, you know, a very high number, but that sort of follows him because he had a bunch the previous year. But, um, but, but getting back to the question, do I think they try to rework him? Listen, as it is a business and I wouldn't be shocked if they did. 
Um, but I think the fact that they're going to, they could, we could see them end up relying on him more than people realize. They may kind of ease up and and let him be at at ten million, eleven million. Yeah, this will be one of the interesting talking points when we get into that deep dive of the roster, like we just teased at the opening of the show, because. As it currently stands, if everybody's healthy, I mean, what do you do with these wide receivers? I know Miko Hardman, in my opinion, is probably like the wide receiver four. So that means you have three taller wide receivers ahead of him on the roster. So are you going to put Alan Lazard in the slot and Corey Davis and Garrett Wilson out wide? I'm a fan of doing that. I don't really mind because I know I'm a fan of like the shorter shifter wide receivers, like with LaFleur, that's what they used. But learning that Hackett wants these taller bodies in at the at the receiver position, I'm all for it. And we've, you know, praised Corey Davis for his run blocking ability. And Alan Lazard is like uh, maybe a step below that in run blocking ability, but he brings that too to the table. So just give me all the tenacity. Garrett Wilson talked about gaining a, a seven or eight pounds so that he can start being more physical and run blocking and being involved more in the plays like uh, Hackett wants him to be. So. All those things just are really exciting to me. So I hope that they don't do that squeeze route with uh, Corey Davis. And I'm cool if that's, you know, wide receiver two or three making 10 million. That's okay. You know, some guys got to get paid double digits on this team. We have good players for once, but I wouldn't be ultimately surprised if in a couple of days, Corey Davis, you know, a tweet comes out saying he reworked his deal and added all these void years. But I guess kicking the can down the road isn't a bad thing. Maybe, It'll probably come to a head at 2025 whenever Aaron Rodgers is off the team, maybe even the year after because of the the cap hits and how they're going to try to spread it all out. But it'll be interesting to see for sure Corey Davis. Um, n- next talking point we have is a signing, um, one that makes me personally very happy. Um, a guy that I actually predicted to make the final 53-man roster over a player who's still on the roster entering 2022 and that's Javelin Guidry. They listed him as a DB, but I'm going to call him a corner. He never really played safety for the Jets. No. Um, he's back. He went to Las Vegas. I believe they claimed him on waivers when we cut him last season. He played only 18 snaps with them last year. But prior to that, he played 650-plus snaps with the Jets over the, uh, the last two seasons, 2020 and 2021. And just looking at his 2021 usage, 487 snaps, he played 50% out wide. 25% in the slot, 21 in the box, and 3% on D-line. So he was used everywhere. And I understand like we're at a different you know life cycle with our roster where we have starters at all those positions, perimeter corner and slot corner, who are very good. So Gidry's not going to be a guy who's going to start. But I have like extreme confidence now if Brandon Eccles or Javelin Gidry have to come into the game that we're not going to get burnt for that touchdown like we saw in Baltimore with Bryce Hall. So I I don't know if Bryce Hall is a name that could possibly end up going, but I'm a big fan of the Gidry Gidry homecoming, so to speak. Um, What are your thoughts on Gidry adding the depth there at at slot corner? Yeah, Gidry, if I'm not mistaken, um, I did remember him playing outside. I I think he was Mm -hmm. forced into action, though. I think they had a couple of injuries and they really didn't have another option, but I don't think he was bad out there or, you know, not for a guy who didn't have any experience. I do like the move. I, I I kind of I messaged a couple of folks after that signing, and I was like, ah, you know, not a great player, but a little bit underrated. Um, I think he sure. was. I, I was surprised when the Jets let him go. I think I like him because of the fact that you know he, he does give them another nickel on the roster. You know, we still have to see if he makes the roster, but I think he's got a good shot to make it. So I, I do like that signing. As far as Lazard goes, you mentioned Lazard in the slot. Um, if you look up his numbers, funny enough, he played almost an identical number of, of snaps in the slot 
Last year, he played 292. The previous year, he played 291. Um, and, of course, that would have been yeah. with Hackett. So sure. he's, play, he's played in the slot a lot more than Corey Davis has. Uh, so I've mentioned that on a couple of, with a couple of different folks in recent weeks saying, will we see – uh, will we see Alan Lazard? Will, will we see the Jets go with a big slot more often than than going with a smaller, more traditional guy because they don't really have that guy on the roster? Um, you know, we, we there is some depth at receiver. Melvin's asking in the chat, "What about Denzel Mims?" I think Denzel Mims is hanging on by a thread. I would be actually at this point, I'd be surprised if he makes the roster. I'm rooting like yeah. hell for the guy. I love the pick. I thought he would be good. Um, I, Melvin, I don't think Bryce Hall gets a fourth. I think if you're if at best. Bryce Hall gets you a day three pick, like a like a sure. six somewhere in that range, but uh, you know he is a guy. I think I mentioned him. I did pre prior to the draft. I did an article on players we could see the Jets try to move during the draft, and Bryce Hall was one of them. I think now with Eccles and as you mentioned, Gidry bringing them back that little bit more depth, I could see a move being made with Hall. And you know he's got some starting experience. He wasn't great, but he's you know as a depth piece, he's fine. So I could I wouldn't be shocked if a team inquired about him. Yeah, I think those are the two names that come to mind. And when I say, you know, at the top when I mentioned the people on Twitter saying, let's get rid of depth, they're talking about getting rid of starter quality depth. I'm talking about getting rid of guys like Mims and and Bryce Hall for those day three yeah, catches. Yeah. That you can just take some couple swings down the road, replace these guys with UDFAs. I, I know Jason Brownlee is probably the, the top guy for everybody to keep their eyes on to take that Denzel Mims spot. We have to see who emerges in that secondary first and foremost. But I do think Javelin Gidry is going to make it this year over Bryce Hall. I don't know. I just have this feeling. I'm sticking to my guns. I like Javelin Gidry. They keep adding speed, speed, speed. So I think those are the types of tiered players you want to talk about getting rid of. Those day three guys who, when you look at next year's draft class with the the, the comp picks we're getting as well, you're going to have like seven, eight, nine day three picks that you can use as ammo to trade up like Joe Douglas loves to do. So that's, that's all good. Um, Javelin Guidry, I, I do think he makes the roster. Um, just just a fun little talking point before we get Scott on here. We have about five, ten, uh, ten minutes until he's on. Devontae Adams, he said he was unhappy in Las Vegas. Uh, I wanted to say trouble in paradise, but NFL Live uh, took that tagline a little too quickly. Um, but it's true. He seemed to be unhappy. He seems like the direction that he wants the franchise to go in is not the same as where they're actually going in. I don't know if that has to do directly with Jimmy Garoppolo or what have you. I'm I'm all for if you can find a way to find a way. I know like it doesn't make a lot of sense. But when you think about it, adding Devontae Adams to this roster would just be over the top ridiculous. So are we are we taking this trip with me to 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 make me really happy? Or are you gonna to bum me out and say Devontae Adams isn't coming? Well, <laughs> I, if if I'm not mistaken, he tweeted out a picture the following morning of him and the the Raiders GM at a practice, like giving a thumbs up, saying like oh, he's good. the man. So I think he was he he debunked that right away. I, you know, listen, anybody would love to have him on the roster, but I think the, the issues the Jets are having right now with, with their cap and managing it with the Aaron Rodgers situation with Quinn and Williams wanting a deal. I know they've moved a little bit of money with Carl Lawson, but when you look at what they're up against, I don't think that, um, I don't, I mean, I mean, 10, 12, whatever, 13 million, whatever it is, it helps, but they still have a ways to go uh, before they can even get to those two guys. So I'd be surprised if they had a way to get to Adams as well. Um, so it's one of those things, of course, you'd love to have him, but I just, and, and like I said, he kind of, the comments did, I I don't disagree. Like I read the comments and I thought, oh, sounds like he might be wanting to get out of town. 
Yep. Uh, you know, but I don't know if he rethought it or if his agent had a word with him or whatever. But, you know, the following morning, he tweets out a picture of him and the Raiders GM at practice, um, you know, giving a thumbs up. So, you know, basically saying all is well. But, I mean, is it a nice thought to have? Absolutely. You know, we, we've and, – and we can mention this to Scott when he comes on because he and I have spoken about it on his show a few times. I think fans – and having said, I like Corey Davis a lot. I think he's – you know, I, I would say he could be a better player than Alan Lazard. Obviously, we love Garrett Wilson. But I don't think this receiving core is quite as good as people are making it out to be. I think they're, like, above average – but, you know, they don't, you know, to me, a, a really good group at any any position, whether it's linebacker or receiver, like, wh- I, like I ask, where would you be if you lose your best guy for a little bit? Now, yeah. everyone's going to take a step back if they lose their best guy, obviously. Sure. But the Jets lose Garrett Wilson for five, six weeks. They're a below average unit. Like, he's really the guy. Yeah. And it's having those other guys as your two and your three and your fours or whatever. That's what makes them a good group. Garrett Wilson is the guy. Garrett Wilson, you you miss him for any extended period of time, and nobody is scared of this receiving core. However, mm-hmm. you know, if you add a veteran, again, there's not a lot of guys out there. And the, the name that, that Scott will, will talk about, because we've mentioned it a few times, um, and I'm 100% on board with this, is DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, He's yeah. a guy, he missed the first six weeks of last season for a peed suspension, whatever it was. When he came back, he was fantastic. He was like 90 yards a game. Like he was. They forced him you know, the ball, but it was worth it. He was yeah. dominating. Yeah. yeah. You, if you had extrapolated his numbers for the, the snaps that he did play last year when he came back, it was like a 1,500 yard season. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, and, and I discussed it last week on, on the show that I did with Chris Hubert from the Draft Network. And Chris was kind of like, well, you know, are, are you going to give up even more draft picks? Like they've, this team's given up a lot of picks. You don't have a lot of, you know, you don't have a lot of capital next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was kind of like, yeah, I get it. But, you know, I, you know, thinking about it the other day, I recall the fact that, you know, we keep saying this is a one to two year window. So if it means giving up more picks, yeah, do it. Because once Aaron Rodgers is gone, those draft picks, listen, you might hit, but it, this is all about this 24 month window. Um, you know, that, uh, you know, as, as and, and again, Scott will discuss this when he comes on. He had a, a reporter from Fox Sports on the other day who said, like, listen, Aaron Rodgers has said, like, I view this as a multi-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't – he's not obligated. He can still say, you know what, I changed my mind. I'm retiring. Like, he, he – and, and I think that's part of the Jets' concern here is that how do we spread this money out for a guy if all that money comes due the second he – you know, if he does decide he wants to retire. Um, I think Rodgers, I don't think he's, I don't know. I don't think he's as wishy-washy as people make him out to be, but he's a little bit wishy-washy. You know, he's, you know, I, like, I, I didn't even think of it until someone commented, you know, I'm, I'm kind of over the whole list thing, you know, that he wanted these players and that players. Um, but it was kind of a, it wasn't the best look that he said there was no list, you know, and clearly there was. And like right. he like he I can't remember exactly what he said, but he really kind of trashed the reporter who reported it, um, mm-hmm. saying like you know that's why you shouldn't listen to people. And then Robert said, so it's like it was kind of a list, like it wasn't even if it even if he didn't write it down on paper and hand it to them or mail it to whatever email it. Like the Jets were given names by him of guys, and again, it's it's normal. It's not out of the ordinary. Other guys have done it. Brady did it. Manning did it. Bill Pel- Bill Parcells used to bring his guys with him wherever he went. 
That's why so, he had Pepper Johnson and Dave Meggett and these guys. Um, it's not an uncommon thing, but it was a weird thing to deny that it was a thing when it was. So Rodgers is a little bit, I don't know, flaky, whatever you want to call him. So maybe there is a, a little bit of that sense in the Jets front office where they're working through his deal and thinking, how do we break this down and how do we minimize the impact if and when he decides, you know what, this is a one-year deal for me, I, I, you know. Um, I don't think it will be. Um, you know, I, I think he's, I, I think he's close enough with Hackett. I think as as long as this isn't a complete disaster, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I don't it, it, listen. It, even if this O line stays somewhat healthy, I think this is going to be. You know, even I'm not sitting here saying it's going to be a Super Bowl, but I think it's definitely a playoff run. Um, and I think that'll be enough to keep him interested and keep him around. Yeah, we, we talked about Super Bowl or bust a little bit earlier, and I don't necessarily say that about 2023, but if we're looking at this like everything is peaches, Roger's probably here for two years, you know, that third year we can dream about, but I would say 2024 is Super Bowl or bust, but this season certainly, you, like, you have to be playing in the divisional, if not hosting it, uh, playing in the conference game, you know, coming down to the wire of co- going to the Super Bowl. It's not a matter of yeah, we were the wild card. We did it, and uh, we got bounced. It's not that's that's I'm, not. I've and, I've said before. I'm I'm shocked at how many fans are like, yeah, Rogers gives us a shot at the playoffs, and like, and they're happy about that. They're saying that like it's a good thing. Well, sure, that 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 part's true, but like, and I'm like, that playoffs. Step, and it's like, no, he gives us, yeah, like that one to six or six to eight teams that are like Super Bowl contenders every year on, on paper, of course. But like, once the games start being played and. And Aaron Rodgers is throwing live darts to these guys. I think the world's going to come around and see that like the Jets are actually kind of kind of serious this year. So we'll see. I feel like the expectations and the goalposts, similarly to last year when we started six and three, they're just going to move a little bit wider and wider each year until you know the Jets fall flat on their face due to expectations being mounted so high. But this is like one of the highest anticipated seasons I could think can of you, for the Jets in so in my lifetime. It feels like. Can you imagine? And I'm not predicting this. And I said on Twitter the other day, kind of making a joke that I was sure there would be no overreactions if this were to happen. Again, I'm not predicting this, so don't give me this. Oh, you're talking trash. Remember that time you said this was going to happen? I'm not saying this is going to happen. But Aaron Rodgers knows this offense. It's a pro- I still I, – I heard someone the other day. I was listening to a podcast, and there's like a former scout on there, and he's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a while till he settles into this offense. And I'm like, why? He, he knows it. He threw like 50 touchdowns in this offense two years ago. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say Aaron Rodgers hits the ground running. Can you imagine – let's say the Jets play the Bills week one and they win like 35-13, like a blowout. Wow. Jets fans are going to go crazy. Oh, gonna go, and again, yeah. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I, I, my thought process is just, and and I've I've mentioned this a couple times. I've mentioned it a few times in recent weeks. The fact that the the Cole Beasley tweet when the Jets traded for Aaron Rodgers, somebody tweeted out that you know here here's the AFC East, you know here's the AFC East power rankings before the trade, and here's the AFC East power rankings after the trade. And they were identical. Like it's yeah, like yeah. like it's it was nothing. Odds so that they do, and yeah. Cole Beasley was like, go back and watch those games from last year and how different. close they were. And that was without Aaron Rodgers. Like these two teams are not that far apart. And I think as Jets fans, we have a hard time. Well, some of us do. Some people are like, some people already have their damn tickets to the Super Bowl. Like they're already socking their money away. But oh, yeah. some of us are like, well, and, and rightfully so. I think like I, I I need to see it first. 
Like, I need to see how this looks on the field. But from a pure talent standpoint, like 1 through 53, again, we've talked about the depth at edge. The O-line is such a huge thing. It's so big for the Jets because the amount of talent they have that's still in question because of injuries. Yep. Like, if you just if you had no injury concerns about Beckton and AVT wasn't coming back from an injury, easy. Arguably yep. top five. However, right side is scary. And, the, and what's that? You're, the right side is scary, yeah. like you said, AVT and Becton. And you know, and 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 a big piece of it too. We haven't spoken about this enough. Is like, do we get a bounce back season from Lincoln Tomlinson? Like he wasn't. He was bad last year. Um, but as someone pointed out to me the other day, and I'm I'm, I'm tempted. There's just not enough hours in the day. Um, I want to go back and watch some late season games because. Um, if, if you look at Lakin Tomlinson, you know, we've all talked about how, how bad he was last year. This, this is per PFF, but I'd rather go look for myself and see if I just missed it. He was actually much better it, by their metrics over the final six, seven weeks of the year. His grades were significantly higher than the first sort of 10 weeks. So what, what can we put that down to? I don't know, but it right. looks like Scott Mason is here ready to join us. Scott Mason of Play Like a Jet. How are we doing today, Scott? Hey, hey guys, what's going on? Uh, not a whole lot, you know. We're just we're sitting here. We're we're kicking around some ideas, and and you did a show the other day that I listened to, and I thought it was very interesting. And good job by you, good get. Um, you had on a, a a writer from Fox Sports who covers the AFC East, and he had some thoughts on the um or some insider info, if you will, on what is happening with what is the holdup with the Quinn and Williams deal, and what are the Jets doing right, wrong, or otherwise. When it comes to this end, how are you doing, Scott? <laughs> yeah, uh, so far, so good, man. Here in the uh, New York, New Jersey area, it was actually very nice today, so I can't complain. But, yeah, the Quinn and Williams thing is really – it's an interesting situation. It was Henry McKenna from Fox, and he had reported that there was an impasse with the contract because Quinn and Williams is looking for somewhere in that 25 to $30 million a year range. Which makes sense because Simmons got four for ninety-four, so you figure he's going to want more than Simmons. You, you would think he he will eventually get somewhere between what Simmons got and what was given to Aaron Donald. Now everybody will say he's not going to touch Aaron Donald, and that's true. But everybody will also say, "Well, the market's already set." Yes and no. The market could still go up a little bit because people keep forgetting there's still one major piece left here. And that's Chris Jones, who has yet to sign his deal. So if that happens and he gets, say, $28, 29000000 million, now all of a sudden maybe the price goes up again. So that, that's where this gets interesting. But what Henry was saying, and I think this is probably the case, is that the Jets and Quinn and Williams sort of had a mutually beneficial uh, arrangement in terms of wanting to get this done. It's just a matter of when it gets done and how much it's going to cost. But... What's going on is the Aaron Rodgers contract as of now is making things a little bit murky. And the reason is because, and, and again, Glenn, we talked about this before it happened. Nobody wanted Aaron Rodgers and everybody would say, well, why would nobody want Aaron Rodgers? He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Well, the reason nobody wanted Aaron Rodgers is because of that horrendous contract. Now the jets are, I would assume eventually going to rework that deal. Aaron Rodgers will still get every penny of the cash he's owed. But they'll figure out a way to massage the cap so that it winds up being less punitive. But ultimately, for now, as we sit, the 
Jets basically kicked all of the salary from 2023 to 2024. And so as of right now, as a result of that, the Jets, I think on paper, and then you throw in a couple more million that'll be on the cap for next year from the Lawson thing from today, they're on the they're like $60 million over the cap or something like that for next year. So they've got their work cut out for them in terms of trying to navigate that. And where that complicates things with Quinn and Williams is if you're going to make commitments past this year, you're now in a situation where a lot of that cap is spoken for at the moment and you have to make corresponding moves to try and make it to a workable spot where you could then give Quinn and Williams that big extension. The question that I asked to Henry McKenna, and I think it's a question that's absolutely worth asking at this point, is the Jets had been trying to get Aaron Rodgers for like two months and they knew they were getting him because, as we said, no one else wanted him. The Packers only had one place to send him. So with that being the case, why did they not have some of their numbers guys sitting there putting together a bunch of different workable scenarios so that when they finally did get Rodgers, they would be out in front of this and we wouldn't be sitting here talking about a potential Quinn and Williams issue when it didn't need to happen. So that's really where everything is at right now. I assume the Rodgers deal will get worked out. I don't know exactly when. And then at some point, they'll hopefully figure out something with Quinn and Williams. But as you guys know, Ideally, you don't want this hanging over the franchise's head where their best player, who is just coming into his prime at 25 years old, and look, there's a reason why teams put such a premium on interior defensive linemen who can do what Quentin Williams does, because there's like a handful of them in the entire league. There's Chris Jones, Aaron Donald, there's Quentin Williams, and then even guys like Simmons and, uh, and Lawrence are not on that level because they're not as talented in terms of both pass rushing and stopping the run as Quinn and Williams is. So you want him taken care of and, and you know, the message it sends to the locker room. Look at all the times that the jets refused to pay their own guys and either traded them or they went somewhere else in free agency. You want to stop that trend. You want to get your best player locked up. So hopefully they get, get that worked out soon. But right now it appears that the Rogers deal is, is part of what's holding this up. Yeah, I think the Rodgers deal, one, one spot where I sort of, I dropped the ball, I, and it was kind of, when they made the Rodgers deal, we all knew the deal had to be reworked. And I kind of, my mindset was, I'm not even going to worry about it till it's done. Like, they're going it, to, it's going to happen. They're going to make him, you know, they're going to make it fit. Um, and I saw the tweet from Connor Hughes saying, oh, Jets fans are going to love this deal so much when they see it. And that was like within a day or two of them trading him for him. So in my mind, I thought, okay, this deal is pretty much done. And then, Ian Rappaport sent out a tweet saying, um, the, the talking about the money being moved by Green Bay to reduce Rogers' cap hit this year, freeing up money. I misinterpreted that. I read that and thought Rap Sheet was saying that based on the deal Rogers was talking about, Connor Rogers, I thought it was a deal. And again, it was just the way I read it. I was in the wrong. I thought he was saying once Rogers signs his deal, it's going to free up money. But that's not the case at all. Like he he has knocked that number down to the absolute minimum he can. There is no money to be freed up this year. It, the number is what it is, and it's next year and beyond that they have to find a way to fit a hundred and six hundred and seven million dollars. I mean, I'm assuming we're talking about a multi year deal with many voidable years. And I just wanted to piggyback on top of that because I heard Joe Douglas talking to I believe it was Mike Florio, and he said that they're trying to get that cap number back to what it 
was prior to the reworking of the Green Bay deal, if I'm hearing that correctly from Joe Douglas, which was approximately 15, 16 million on the cap. I was just wondering too, does is that even a possibility to make his cap go from that minimum 1.16 to 15 or 16 million again, or is it even going to be higher than that? Or can they not touch his actual cap number for this season? No, I think they can. I think basically if they put together a whole new contract, which is certainly possible because what you have to remember is Aaron Rodgers is due over $100 million in cash. And this is one thing, Glenn, you and I talked about repeatedly as far as why nobody wanted Rodgers. It's because do you want to pay a 40-year-old quarterback over $100 million in cash? Now, I don't care if the owner of the Jets does that. I'm sure neither one of you two cares about Woody Johnson's pocketbook. But the reason why that meant that the Jets held a lot of this leverage is that nobody else – look, owners are rich, but they're not into necessarily just handing out $100 million to a guy that's 40 years old, and that's why nobody wanted to touch this deal except the Jets. So he'll get every penny of the cash. It's just a matter now of figuring this out. Now, what they could do – and Luke Grant, uh, who does a lot of really good film stuff for us over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, he had mentioned the possibility of, say, redoing the deal – to make it two years, $62 million on the cap, where 15 million of it would be this year and 47 million would be next year, which I think is around what it was going to be. And this way, Rodgers gets all of his money. The Jets bump up this year a little bit. And that way, instead of it being a $107 million hit, it winds up being 62 spread out over two years. They could do something like that. That said, uh, they, uh, like I said, I, I would have thought they would have tried to have had something ready or planned for this, and I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm sure they will do some sort of rework deal, but they should have, I would think, had something in hand where they could at least work off of it. It seems like Rogers has been here for, <laughs> seems like forever now, but it really hasn't even been that long. It's only been little under a month, but you would have thought they'd have had something set up for that. They could do that. And like you said, Dylan, I, I think the goal is probably to put it back to around 15, 16 million. So that's what a lot of people are thinking right now. My thought is maybe they do that, but if I were the Jets, and I'm not saying they're going to do this, this is just what I would do. If I'm looking at this, you just created a bunch of space. You could create more space by getting rid of Jordan Whitehead. That'd be another 8 million. You get rid of more space by getting rid of Ashton Davis. I think that's like another three million. Two or three. You get yeah. rid of more. You get another three million or so by getting rid of Denzel Mims. I know we all liked him, but let's be real. He's he's got no place here. You can get rid of another ten to eleven million dollars by getting rid of Corey Davis. I mean, what I'd be looking to do here is, yeah, you want to put more of that money into Rogers this year to lessen the overall cap for next year and future years. But man, I'd be looking over at say somebody like DeAndre Hopkins and saying, if I make these corresponding moves, I can do both things. And ultimately, look, if you're going to go all in for the next couple of years, you want to make sure that Rogers cap hit is manageable during that time and that you can navigate it over the next couple of years. But you also want to give yourself the absolute best chance you can without killing your future to try and win within that short window, right? So think about this. You know, We've talked about it. You have right now on paper a, a decent receiving core. Garrett Wilson's great. We all know that. After that, Lazard's all right. Corey Davis is okay. Randall Cobb is basically a depth piece at this point. Hardman's a nice gadget guy. 
Brees Hall is awesome if he's healthy, but you don't know exactly what the deal is going to be there. Hopefully, is he a Banacanda? We know the offensive line has some question marks, all that. But if you were to get DeAndre Hopkins, and now you've got Garrett Wilson and DeAndre Hopkins, and Alan Lazard is now your number three receiver, now all of a sudden your receiving core is a top five receiving core. And you've got an offense that on paper, at least, obviously injuries are there. You could have the potential to have a top 10 offense and a top five-ish defense. You want to win something right now, go do that. And Mark Ross, who was Jerry Reese's right-hand man in the Giants front office when they built two Super Bowl champions, he was on the show with me today, and I asked him about it, and he point-blank said, yeah, if you are putting together this short window with Aaron Rodgers and somebody like, say, DeAndre Hopkins is available, and by all accounts, Albert Brewer was saying it looks like you might be able to get it done for late-round picks, go do it. I think it's two years, $34 million. Look, you get rid of the guys I just talked about. It pays for it right there. And now all of a sudden you've got yourself two potentially elite units. Like I said, you want to win? That That's what I would do. But I, I think right now the focus is on clearing out that future cap by, like you said, Dylan, resetting this year's cap number. But I think the dual focus should be that. And then, of course, for the long run, getting Quinn and Williams signed and then adding an impact player like DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not saying I would do this either, but even a guy like Hunter Renfro would be worth looking at because I think you could swap out Corey Davis and him pretty easily. I think Hunter Renfro would be nasty in this offense. He'd certainly be an upgrade over Davis and a different skill set. So just something to think about. But I think for now, the focus is what Dylan talked about. I'm hoping that they come around to what I'm talking about because, like I said, right now, the offense is fine. You put Hopkins in there and it elevates it to another level, which would be huge if you're trying to chase a championship in that short window. Yeah, I think – oh, go ahead, Dylan. I was just going to say, um, Mike Clay of ESPN had us ranked as like the 14th best wide receiver core. So if you swapped out Ooh. a Corey Davis for a DeAndre Hopkins or even like a Mike Evans or a Chris Godwin of that similar right. mold, like you were a top 10 wide receiver core and like you yeah. actually get a little nervous of yeah. like – your wide receiver two and wide receiver three are much better than their cornerback two and cornerback three. Yeah. So you're, you're just Absolutely. getting such, such advantages. Um, but another quick question. Um, I've seen this on Twitter, nothing like from reporters or anything like verified or anything, but fans seem to be of this notion that Rogers is taking a pay cut. You said he's not t- missing out on a single dollar of his 107.5 million. Do, are we just going to throw the wet blanket on that? He's probably not taking a pay cut. We can probably put that aside yeah. and, I would be shocked. Look, here's what I'll say, though. If it's structured the way we're talking about, then if you're a fan, you shouldn't care. Because all that's going to matter is Woody is paying the $107 million cash, so who cares? Uh, yeah. I don't begrudge Aaron Rodgers getting that. Look, if I, why should Rodgers take a penny less? There's no reason for him to do it. Now, exactly. if he works with them on, on the cap space, that's all that, as fans, that's all we should care about. I don't begrudge Aaron Rodgers getting his $107 million. He should get it. So that, that that's more or less what I think is going on here is that Rodgers will still get every penny of the cash he's owed. It's just going to be a matter of messing around with the cap to help the Jets out with flexibility. The money itself is going to be Woody Johnson's problem. And I don't like I said, I know that I don't care. You guys don't care. I would think that anybody with the last name, without the last name Johnson wouldn't care at all about that. I mean, maybe Jaime Elheim, I guess, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I think um, 
I think of everything you said there, I think the thing that stands out to me most because it was uh, when I when I listened to to your interview, it really jumped out at me was the fact that they've known for months this was going to happen, and here they sit, kind of not knowing how they're going to make it work, and especially. I, you know, I was surprised, as I said, it was, you know, a day or two after the deal when Connor Hughes was telling us how great the deal was going to be. My thought process was, oh, they, they must be like 95% of the way there. And over the next right. five, six, seven days, they'll have it worked out and he'll have a deal. And now here we sit weeks later and this report coming out saying that, well, the Jets aren't really sure how to structure it because of the money. And, and yeah, you know, letting guys go this year to free up space is you would hope to do that to sort of avoid those monster hits down the road. Like, let's pay as much of it as possible now. But they just they don't have a ton of room. There are moves that can be made. You can't rework C.J. Mosley because you've already done that. You know, that's the thing. They, they reworked a bunch of guys before the deal. So that's when you thought there was a plan in place. Oh, they're doing all this to get Aaron Rodgers under his cap number or, you know, to absorb that cap hit. And they're still not ready to do it. But DeAndre Hopkins, uh, we agree. Before you came on, I even said, I said, Scott's going to talk about DeAndre Hopkins a little bit because he and I, <laughs> because he and I have discussed him many times over and it makes too much sense. Because listen, as we've said, and, and you just touched on it, like this is a good group of receivers. I think there are some fans who are a little bit higher on it than, you know, than I, than I, than I am. I think they're good, but I think a guy like Hopkins does elevate you to that next level. So will a move be made? You know, we've, we've got some time between now and the start of the season. Hopkins, I think, you know, we've heard, you know, of course he's saying on social media, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to go. Guys say stuff like that all the time. Um, for the right price, I think they would move him and he would be a great addition. So, um, so thanks, Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time out to join us and break down the interview, the uh, the inside news, what you were getting from Fox Sports. And uh, go ahead and uh, tell people where they can get you at and, uh, and check out your pod as well. Yeah, the, always a pleasure. Uh, Dylan, Glenn, hope we can do this again more often. And Glenn, of course, I, I know you'll be joining me soon on Play Like a Jet as well, doing a lot of crossovers. I should say, by the way, as far as Quinn and Williams goes really quickly, while – while it's not ideal that the, that nothing is done yet, as long as they get it done by training camp, it's okay. It's mm -hmm. just you would have hoped that they would have planned ahead for something like this. And like we said, it almost feels like their plan was we'll get Rodgers and then we'll figure it out later. They, they had all this time while they were trying to get Rodgers. You would have thought they'd have had a couple of their numbers guys figuring this out. But hopefully they get this ironed out and then they get Quinn and Williams. And then as we said, hopefully – they get themselves another piece to add because really quickly, if you look at all the best teams in the league, for the most part, they tend to have two really good or elite ish weapons in the passing game. Kansas city doesn't, but Kansas city also has the best football player on the planet. But if you look around at almost all the rest of the best teams, you know, other than Buffalo, and that was actually a big thing that held Buffalo back, which is why actually mm -hmm. I'm kind of surprised they haven't really tried to get in on Deandre Hopkins, but look at Cincinnati, right? Look at Philadelphia. Look at the 49ers. The 49ers have multiple guys. And look, it doesn't have to be two wide receivers. It could be a tight end. But as we know, the Jets don't have that. So if I'm the Jets, I would go out and get somebody like DeAndre Hopkins. But I'll talk a lot more about DeAndre Hopkins and plenty of other players on Play Like a Jet seven days a week. You can get the podcast anywhere where you get podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, all of that. Plus, we've got our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet. Luke Grant, the Thunder from the from Down Under, is doing some awesome all 22 breakdowns. He's got 
all the free agent acquisitions, he's broken them down. All the draft picks are up there. And he's doing weekly Aaron Rodgers videos just kind of as a refresher of how special a talent Rodgers can be when he's on his game. So youtube.com slash play like a jet. Gentlemen, really appreciate you having me on. And I hope we can do this again soon. And let's keep our fingers crossed that the Jets get something done with this Rodgers contract soon. They iron things out with Quentin Williams. And then Dylan, as you said, on paper, Mike Clay, 14th best wide receiver room. You go out and you get somebody like Hopkins, all of a sudden now you're looking closer to top five or so. So yeah. you make a move like that, it's a huge difference maker. Let's hope they're able to find a way to do that. Absolutely. All right, Scott, thanks a lot for joining us, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, man. You got it. All right. So all right, so Scott me. Mason play. Like, and I think a key point here, Dylan, and I thought this was Scott was going to say at the end there, was that um, – it's going to get done. They're, like right. the, the Williams deal is going to get done. The Rogers deal is going to get done, obviously. Yep. This was just an opportunity to look and say, why isn't it getting done? Like, why is it taking as long as it is? Um, and as I said on, you know, when I did the video last week about when Quinn and Williams took the Jets off his bio, ooh, yeah. um, you know, this is what, um, this is what we kind of, we, this was what, this was my reasoning behind saying, I don't think, there's anything in place yet because if there was like, and, and as I said, you don't have to have a signed contract to keep Quinn and Williams happy. And and by that, I mean, an Aaron Rodgers signed contract. All you have to do is be able to talk to him and say, look, here are the parameters of the Rodgers deal. Once it's done, this is how much space we're going to have. And this is what we're going to be looking at giving you. And then there'd be no reason. All right, cool. And you yep. just wait, like there's no rush, but I think it's probably the fact that nothing's happening and the jets can't really make an offer until they figure out first how they're going to work out the Rodgers money, which again, they will get there, but it's just frustrating because this didn't, this, this is not a transaction that, that came up, you know, out of the blue, um, literally months, you know, of, of knowing this day was going to come. And then the day arrives and the jets are like, Oh, uh, we're not sure what we're going to do next. Um, so yeah, I think that's the really frustrating part too. And and uh, Scott mentioned him by name too, Jaime Elheim. Like he's the cap guy. And there was a report that he was on that, you know, that flight to uh, Hollywood to go see Aaron Rodgers. Not maybe not Hollywood, uh, California to see Rodgers yeah. at, at his house. And like if that's the cap guy, and you're sitting down talking to Rodgers for however long you're privately in his own house for, and you don't talk about what you're going to do with the contract, and then you take that conversation directly to agent Nicole Lynn and Quinn Williams's camp and say, okay, we don't, we can't talk about all of this publicly, but Aaron Rodgers is coming. He's going to sign for this. And when we have this in place, you were going to sign you to this and you have a deal in principle. So yeah, bang, bang, bang. You can knock all of them out. It seems like they were just waiting for everything to actually happen and then to adjust the cap. I know they did some of those restructures and whatnot, and they can still do those restructures, but it just seems like they waited till the very last minute to get any of this done when we could easily have had Rodgers signed, sealed, already in camp. He's been in camp, you know, carrying logs with the team. Like, it's kind of funny that he hasn't signed the deal, but he's, you know, out there carrying logs with the team. And then you have to you have to get Quinton done. Mandatory camp starts June 13th, I think, 13th, 14th, 15th. You have to get him at least done by then at that point because you can't risk him missing even three days of mandatory minicamp and creating a another drama storyline of missing and having to pay back money on his deal. So I feel like – June 13th has to be like a soft deadline at this point. 
Yeah, I think the one thing uh, I would say with Jaime Elhai, my understanding, and I was actually made aware of him before he was elevated to his current position. Um, Neil Glatt used to hold that spot. Yes. And and um, and I was just at camp one day talking to some folks, and, and they kind of said, you know, one of the guys who, who doesn't get a lot of press, who most people aren't aware of, is, is Jaime. And he mm-hmm. is basically a confidant of the Johnsons. Like, he is a very good friend of the family, and he doesn't manage the cap as much as he's the guy who weighs in on whether or not he thinks a player is worth X amount of dollars. Oh, okay. So he's, he's not working out the, you know, the the ins and outs of how to fit him under the cap. He's mm-hmm. the guy saying, for what we're investing in this player, you know, I, I think this guy's worth it. And I'm not going to say he makes the decision, but from my, my understanding is that his voice carries a ton of weight with the Johnsons. And okay. so that's why in recent years, since taking this position, we've seen him on a few visits. And I've had people say to me, like, you know, they were sort of unfamiliar with who, even who he was. They're like, who's this guy whose name we're seeing that he's going to these meetings with players. And I just say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not pretending to be on the inside, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, but in, in talking to folks a couple of years ago, before Jaime was in this spot, I was told, you know, Jaime's a guy in the organization who may not have an official position that, that describes what he does, but he is the guy who gives the thumbs up or thumbs down on whether or not these these deals are worth what they're handing out. And it's probably more so when it's the, the huge deals. You know, I doubt they're checking with him on a guy who's making $1.6 million a year. But when they're making these huge monetary investments, that's the guy who they look to, and he kind of says thumbs up or thumbs down. And, and the Johnsons will ultimately decide. But as I said, my understanding is that they put a ton of weight on, on the, the advice of what, what Jaime Elhai says. Hmm. Well, interesting to know. Uh, I apologize for calling him the cap guy. If that's no, no, it's, 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 that's kind yeah, of how he's but, been described. Uh, I've, you know, I've, I, he doesn't get a ton of publicity or ton of press, but I, I have seen one or two pieces that say like, he's the guy that, you know, that that's behind the, the money basically. Um, but yeah, not if, in the caps, not in the cap situation as much as like, is this worth the investment situation? If, if anybody's probably a little confused on who we're talking about, if you go look at the pictures of Aaron Rodgers signing and holding up his Jersey, I believe Jaime's the one far left, uh, right. right he, it's funny actually, Douglas, so. again, yeah. To give you an idea of, you know, where he is in the hierarchy. If you see, if you watch that presser and you see it from the camera that zoomed out, like Joe Douglas sort of voluntarily steps back and tells Jaime, like, you get in there. It's yeah, like he, he was, was outside yeah. of Joe Douglas, and Douglas takes a step back. Joe Douglas is the guy in the news for making it happen. Mm-hmm. But even Joe Douglas is like, go ahead, Jaime. Like, you, you get to stand next to Aaron, yeah. you know, next to the Johnsons, and I'm going to take a step back, and I'll be to the side of you. So yep. he, he is – He's, it was Aaron in the middle, one of the, the Johnsons on either yeah. side, and then Jaime, and then yep. Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. So, yes, yeah. that, it definitely goes to show that – He's well respected in that building by, by yeah. the Johnson family. And obviously, I mean, he's worked well with everybody. It looked like Rogers dapped him up in that video when he first entered the building. So everybody's on on good grounds so far. So yeah. I'm excited. I hoped that all these deals would get done before Memorial Day. You know, Jets fans could celebrate a little extra something, but it doesn't necessarily seem like it's going to be that way. But like I said, June 13th mandatory date. I feel like um, that's a soft deadline for, for Quinn and Williams to get done. Um, another guy that we didn't mention um, with Scott Mason, but he put out a tweet a couple of days ago saying that this was a possibility. Obviously, nothing definite or imminent or anything close to being, you know, a trade. But teams have been sniffing around Bryce Huff with the what he quoted as the unexpected pick of Will McDonald in the first round of the draft. Uh, Bryce Huff is a name that could be, you know, explored by other teams as a potential trade target. 
I know we talked about offloading depth and not really seeing that fit. And that was kind of the guy that I talked about right off the top that you really don't need to trade starter quality depth at, at this point of the win now window that you've just entered for probably draft pick assets that you're not going to use in your win now window or a player that's probably not of the same caliber Bryce Huff is to go with some of those picks. So are you a fan of, of keeping or dealing Huff? I think Huff is a guy that if you can get a, a you know, say a, a three or a four or a four that could, you know, be conditional three, I would do it. He's, he's a good player. We like what he does, but let's face it. He, he barely played over a hundred snaps last year. I mean, they have games, they have games where he plays three snaps um, and what he brings is valuable. But I think the fact, and I've, I've questioned this in the past that, uh, you know, is he really that much of a liability against the run? The Jets clearly feel he is. Yeah. I mean, I understand if you think a guy is better in one area than another, that's fine. But the Jets clearly feel like he can only do one thing. And I think that helps him. You know, we talk about these the average get-off, you know, the average time off the snap. And, you know, he's number one in the NFL. Well, it helps him that he's he is he is quick off the snap, no denying it. But sure. that's all he ever does. He He's never on the field for a rep where he's like, this could be run, could be pass. So I got to give it that half a beat before I, yeah. you know, before I go after the quarterback. He never has to do that. Um, every time he's on the field for the, for those, you know, again, sometimes for those two or three snaps, he knows I get to pin my ears back and go because it's third and 13. So it's time for me to get on the line of scrimmage and get after the quarterback. So that does help him. And yeah, I don't think any player, if you're only playing him a hundred snaps, then clearly you, you could, you know, if you can get a third rounder for him, like I knew he, I knew they wouldn't get a two, you know, when they tagged him with a second round tender, I figured he'd be back at that number. But I think the drafting of Will McDonald is kind of like, oh, okay, well, this this kind of makes edge rusher even more. You know, you're even deeper at that spot than you were before. So if a team calls and says, look, we'll give you a three or we'll give you a four. And if he gets, you know, six sacks, it becomes a three. Then fine. I would I would absolutely do that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the second round tender, because that's what they put on him this offseason, which meant if a team wanted him, they needed to trade a second round pick for him. And obviously nobody bit. But like you said, if somebody's offering a third or fourth round pick, that could be just because they put the second round tender on him doesn't mean they think they only need a second round pick for Bryce Huff. Obviously, they'll take a second round pick, but we we don't know what they'll take. They could take a, a third or a fourth round pick. And yes, it's kind of you know depleting their rotation a little bit. But like you said, some players, they get into a role, they excel in that role, and they think, hey, if I go somewhere else, and do a little bit more for that team for the dollars that they're going to pay me, perhaps I can do better in all those things. And maybe that's not the case with Bryce Huff. Maybe he is just that situational pass rusher who has elite upside, and a team could start putting him on first and 10, second and 10, when, like you said, it's a half second. you got to read and react just for a split second. You're not always pinning your ears back and going, and it could change his entire career path. So I'm not saying that the Jets are the only spot for Bryce Huff, but I think the specific role that the Jets have him in currently is his best role. At least what we've seen on tape, I think, is clearly his best role. His get-off is just too good. But you are pushing him down the, the depth chart with a Will McDonald. So it will be interesting. Wide receiver and edge position both are deep, and I'm excited to see how they shake out because a luxury today is a necessity tomorrow, like Joe Douglas said, and we saw it with the offensive line. I don't think he wants a repeat of it at any position at this point. You can't be 
you know, hamstrung by one position all season, like we saw with offensive line, obviously quarterback as well. But and, and yeah, I, I, I just looked up the numbers real quick on uh, Bryce Huff. Week 15 against the Lions, he played four snaps against the run. That was his high for the season. Wow. Four. Yep. yep. Um, and and he did have, you know, he had, against Jacksonville, he played six snaps. Against Seattle, he played seven snaps. Uh, he played nine snaps twice against Pittsburgh and Chicago. That's four games where he didn't even get to 10 snaps. And yep. I think his high for the season, he only hit 20 twice. Um, he did hit 19 once, but right. yeah. He, he plays fewer than 10 snaps more often than he plays 20 snaps. I was going to say that was a, a talking point for us all season was Bryce Huff needs more than 13, 15, 19 snaps a game. It was getting ridiculous. And I'm interested yeah, I'm, to see those run snaps. If like some of them were on third down where like the team just ran and, and got the first, not even got the first, you know, and just he was on the field for a run play instead of like an actual non-passing situation. Now the previous season, again, this is per PFF. Uh, previous season, he played 121 snaps against the run, and his run defense grade was 45.5, which is poor. That's very bad. So maybe that the Jets do see something in that at practice that it's you know he is a liability in the run, and and we don't see that obviously because they don't use him in that role specifically because he could be a liability. So I think it's definitely one to monitor. I'm a fan of keeping him. I can understand if the price is right, you have to, but. We're in a win-now window. you got to keep everybody yeah. for when even the smallest injury happens. You mentioned it with Garrett Wilson, so let's just play it the same way. What if Carl Lawson or Jermaine Johnson misses four games? Like, you're going to need – You want that depth? You do. He could be exactly. a valuable piece. Uh, I see Charles in the chat here. Uh, I think the Jets might be able to get a one for Huff and Carter. Michael Carter, That that's not going to happen. Um, I think at best Huff gets you kind of a four, maybe a conditional that raises yeah. to a three. Carter's a day three, you know, he's a running back and he's, he'll be, you know, that'll be something for a, a you know, when we do a deeper dive on the roster, but I was, you know, I mentioned Lake and Tomlinson earlier. Um, I was thinking earlier yesterday, sort of Tomlinson and Carter are two guys who really need to bounce back after the way they played last year. But um, we'll see how that goes. You know, as I said, Tomlinson graded out higher over the past five, six, seven weeks. So we're going to take a closer look at that. So more to come in the coming weeks. Um, um, I've got nothing else from my end, Dylan. Do you have enough silence there to 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 say your piece and wrap things up? Or I, I hope I do. I mean, we made it sixty-two minutes at this point. Terrible, isn't it? It, it, it? That was my first thought. I was like, "Oh, we're an hour and two minutes in." Yep. Sorry for anybody that got scared by my dog, but no, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, for Glenn, you can follow him on Twitter at JNRadio underscore Glenn. That's Glenn with two N's. You can follow his draft account at Jets Picks at Jets P-I-C-K-S. Don't worry, we haven't talked about drafts in a couple weeks, but we're, we're moving into 2024 shortly. Yes, I know sir. Glenn's diving into it pretty deeply, uh, that second round range. I'm diving into spring games tonight as soon as we log off here and I eat dinner, so We'll definitely be talking 2024 soon, but follow Jets Picks at Jets P-I-C-K-S. Follow me on Twitter at D Terraman. Follow Jet Nation on all social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Probably have a MySpace too. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll catch you next week. And until then, let's go Jets. Pay our guys for once. <laughs>